0: Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air, online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. When Eloise Cobell, a petite Blackfeet warrior from Montana, started asking questions about missing money, from government-managed Indian trust accounts. She never imagined that one day she would be taking on the world's most powerful government. But what she discovered as the treasurer of a tribe was a trail of fraud and corruption leading all the way from Montana to Washington, D.C. 100 Years is the story of a 30-year fight for justice for 300,000 Native Americans whose mineral-rich lands were grossly mismanaged by the United States government. In 1996, Cobell filed the largest class action lawsuit ever filed against the federal government. Fifteen long years, and through three presidential administrations, Eloise Cobell's unrelenting spirit never quit. This is the compelling true story of how she prevailed. It is one woman's fight for justice. The film is 100 years. The film is opening uh, this Friday, today, uh, September 23rd. At the uh, Monica, uh, Lemley Monica Theaters uh, in Santa Monica. And we're joined today by the producer, writer, and, and director of the film 100 Years. That would be Melinda Jenko. Melinda, welcome to Film School.
1: Thank you very much, Rick. Thanks for
0: having me. You're so welcome. Well, what was your introduction into this, into this project? Because there's a lot of, I could see where there's a lot of different points that you could have become involved. But you tell, <laughs> let me know, what, where did it start for you?
1: Well, I just uh, went looking for a story. Um, we had just moved to California, and I, you know, produced and directed short promotional videos for the nonprofit sector. And I was looking for a story for a feature-length documentary, and so um, I had a story file, and I found the story in uh, Mother Jones magazine, and just a small little article in the middle of the magazine, and I couldn't believe it. I thought. I must be reading this wrong. This this happened in the 19th century. This can't be going on today. And um, so I was, you know, what, <laughs> I found what, out it sure is going on today. And I was shocked well, by what, the injustice. What
0: was that, Melinda? Was that the the article about what the mismanagement at the Indian? Uh, yes, the Indian, the, okay. it was
1: about it was about the broken trust and Eloise Cobell's lawsuit. Okay. And um, and so that was, you know, I think I was like a lot of Americans and. And uh, you know, the, the most the majority of the news today on the front pages is about the success of the gaming tribes. Yeah. And uh, most people have this. I think the Indian nations have a, a, a PR problem in that respect. Because, and I call it a double injustice. Most people don't know that one in three Native Americans still today live in poverty, and these are some of the same people that own oil and gas land. They have oil wells pumping you know, 24-7, and they're living without running water or electricity.
0: That is amazing. I mean, the statistics are, are so troubling. Um, let's imagine that. You said one in three. Th- imagine 33% of any population here in the United States uh, living in poverty, living in abject poverty. And this is something I like to point out, which is the federal standard by which, for which you judge someone in poverty is so low as to be kind of disgusting to start with. So I- any real measure of poverty would probably raise that number, I would say, a, a, I don't know how much higher, but it'd certainly be higher than 33 percent. Um, and so, again, and as you said, if you told people you own land and there's oil wells pumping on it, the assumption would be, well, I'm just making money hand over fist, given what oil the value of oil is, but that isn't the case. And explain why that isn't the case for for uh, Native Americans.
1: Well, this has been going on for over 100 years, and it's essentially started in in the 19th century when the Indians, the government, the U.S. government wanted to assimilate assimilate Native Americans into our society. So what they did was they put them on reservations, and then they parceled up, up the land, and they said, we're going to divide this and give it to individual Indians to farm. They wanted to turn them into farmers. And um, so that's the way it began. But then they, the, the United States government said, you know, we think you're incompetent to manage the land, so we will manage it for you. And we will hold the funds generated from your land in the Indian trust fund. We will be the trustee
0: now what's interesting about what you just said, Melinda, is that first of all I think i don't want to be i don't want to grossly stereotype or generalize here, but most Native Americans grew up in for thousands of years in an, in a in a, in a in an environment where they were that they roamed m- Around they were I wouldn't say nomadic, but they had wide open areas and were not known as as farmers. Is that a fair no. statement? That's a very fair statement. Yes. Well, and then the second yes, part, and then the second part of that is that there must have been such a political vacuum. I think it goes without saying there was such a political vacuum around Native Americans and their rights in this country that would allow for the very same entity that had slaughtered them on a on a significant scale to be put now in charge of their financial future is that is that a fair statement
1: oh well, that's what happened yes
0: and that's what happened that's what happened yeah
1: exactly what happened
0: so okay so so that is happening so the these as we know you know much of uh, native american land is in It's sort of in the plains and areas not near, uh, sort of not developed. There's hardly any infrastructure, but they do have lots of minerals and oil under their under the ground that they're they've been entitled to. Um, So, um, how did that work out? So, so describe exactly how how sort of Eloise Cobell through uh, her own sort of decision-making, decided to find out, try to find out what's going on. Tell us, tell us that part of the story.
1: Well, she, she like so many other of her generation, she, they grew up hearing the stories from their relatives whenever they, were, whenever they would gather around. Why can't I get my money from the government? Um, you know, I see my oil wells pumping, but I'm not getting the checks. And it was the same old, same old story, thousands of stories. And so she heard those growing up, and then she became um, the treasurer of the Blackfeet tribe, and she was actually the treasurer for 13 years. And she started noticing these huge gaps in the accounting statements where oil companies were taking oil off the reservation, but they weren't paying for it. And if they did pay for it, it was like months later, and there were no penalty charges. So she started making phone calls and knocking on doors and calling her senators and congressmen. And she started working with the Bush administration, Senior Bush, and they they expressed some interest uh, initially. And so because of her activism, they in 1994 they passed the Indian Trust Reform Act, uh, and that just kind of languished in the Congress for two years. Absolutely nothing happened. And
0: so, um, you you mean it it never never got signed into law? Is that what you mean? No, it was
1: signed into law, but there was no action that Hmm. that reformed the way they were managing the trust, and that was the whole point. So she discovered it as the treasurer, but she grew up hearing the stories, and uh, you know, of of dwindling land and, and very little funds
0: well and that that's another part of this story by the way, I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with Melinda Janko and she's the director producer and writer of the film One hundred years uh, It's a documentary uh that were that about Native Americans and what has happened uh, to them and continues to happen to them um without giving anything away about the film that's not a that's not a uh uh, spoiler at all. There's just the the, the abuse. I, I think it's sa- safe to say the the abuse of the American Indians or the Native Americans is uh, is still going on. But we're not going to get in. I'll, people go see this film. It's a it really is uh, a, a terrific uh, document and and a documentary. It's a wonderful film, but it's also a remarkable primer on just exactly what's going really going on in this country. Uh, and it's a story that I myself had not heard anything about, which is shocking to me. Just that I didn't know anything about what happened with Eloise. After sort of realizing that the, that there was just sort of rampant uh, unaccountability on the part of the Bureau of Indian Affairs and the sec- and the uh, Department of Interior—that's basically who runs the Bureau of Indian Affairs—she uh, decided to move forward with this case. Is that is that? Are we picking up the story right?
1: Yes. Uh, the I guess the straw that broke the camel's back was that she was at a banking conference. You know, Eloise was told when she started inquiring and asking the Bureau of Indian Affairs questions, she was told that she didn't know how to read a statement. So Eloise went and got an accounting degree, and then she became a banker. Uh-huh. And so one day she was speaking at a banking conference and the Attorney General, Janet Reno, was there. And so she decided to um, talk to her about the problem. And she said, Well, Eloise, why don't you go home and write me a letter and then set up a meeting? And so she did that. And she persisted every week calling for that meeting. And she finally got a meeting, and Janet Reno was not there. She was greeted in Washington, D.C. by Department of Justice and Department of Interior officials and lawyers. And they basically said to her, Eloise, don't come in here with any false expectations. And that was that was it. She said, You should be ashamed of yourselves. People are dying every single day without the basic necessities of life. And you tell me not to come in here with any false expectations. She said, That's it. And she drew a line and she says, I'm suing the United States government
0: yeah yeah and and again, looking for justice within the the umbrella of the i hate to be so negative and say it this way. it sounds so um like i'm anti American to say it this way, but let's be honest the- we have not owned up to what happened to Native Americans to the native tribes in this country in any significant way, and once again. These people are asking that entity to to be fair in adjudicating what is rightfully theirs. Mm-hmm. It, right. it, it It's really it's a, it, in some ways. I mean, there's so much positive to take from 100 years. But if you don't get mad watching what happened, has been happening to Native Americans uh, when watching and watching 100 years, I, I don't know what I don't know what to tell you.
1: Well, we just got reviewed today by the LA Times. Okay. And that's exactly what they said, prepared to be angry. Yeah, when you see this film because most people do not know what's going on. And see that's part of the problem. Native Americans were placed in these remote areas. So, you know, your average American doesn't go as far out to these reservations, so they're they're tucked away. They're kind of like the invisible Indians.
0: Right? Right, I, I, yeah, absolutely. In, in fact, one of the catch lines in I'm looking at the you know the website, and I'm on the uh, Lemley Theater website. Spread the word about this film. Amen to that. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, you've got Twitter, you've got Facebook, you've got a lot of different uh, platforms here that people should be taking advantage of. And at very least, at very least, we should know the story. However, you end up feeling about it. It, that's that's a separate issue, but at least we should have known for 10, 11, 12, how many? You said 14 years from the filing of the lawsuit to the settlement was about, what, 14 years? It
1: was 15 years, 15 years. Uh, but she actually was fighting the good fight for 30 years. 30 years.
0: 30 years, and not a peep, not anything I mean, now, again... <laughs> I want people to see this. I don't want to go too far down the road of, ex- of of going into too much detail about what happens, but I do want people to understand that Eloise uh, is is a the, her her story is a cor- a story of courage and of perseverance, and uh, and and trust, because after all this time, people put a tremendous amount of trust because there is something that happens in the course of this. Suit against the federal government, in which a lot of people were really put at risk financially, really put in yeah. harm's way, uh, and uh, they still continue to fight the fight, uh, and and they supported her. I'm sure there were times when it was uh, pretty dire, and I also want to salute you, Melinda Janko, as well, because as I see so many times, it's with so many different directors that come on the show, documentary directors. You start down these these roads on these projects, having no idea where you 're going to end up and it 's this sort of article of faith that i I am in so awe, so much awe of you and filmmakers like you who don 't know where this is going to end up. It could end up in a big ball of you know uh, of fire where not, you can it just doesn 't happen sometimes, but you have been working on this particular film for how long now melinda i
1: 've been working on it well, I discovered the story. In 2002, and we started filming in 2004, so I say 12 years. Um, but I actually discovered the story in 2002. I had a story file, and then I, um, you know, I've, I've never sit, set foot on a reservation. I didn't know any Native Americans, and I certainly didn't know anybody, any officials that worked at the Department of Interior. So I spent about a good two years building relationships of trust with both government officials. Native American leaders, and uh, Eloise Cobell.
0: Amazing. Well, I want to ask you, and this is, uh, this is not specifically about 100 years. By the way, people can find out about the film and about ways in which you can be a part of uh, an ongoing effort to be part of a solution uh, to what has happened to Native Americans in, in all kinds of ways, but specifically the, sort of this financial part. Um, but you can go to uh, 100Yearsthemovie.com, and, and you'll find out about screenings and about the film, the backstory, and all the rest of it. Uh, but something's going on right now. The Standing Rock Sioux in South Dakota uh, have done something uh, that has finally gotten the attention of the national media. Actually, barely gotten the attention of the national media. Had it not been for Amy Goodman and Democracy Now! and a few other brave journalists, we still wouldn't know much about what it was going on. Uh, with the oil pipeline, do you have any, does this tie in in some sort of spiritual way to your film?
1: Absolutely. It all ties together. It's the same story, and that story we cover in the film. It's degradation of the land. It's desecrating sacred burial sites. It's um, everything that's happening right now, and I'm very, very glad that we've gotten um, world exposure. I've seen reports coming out of Bangkok. Yeah and uh, London and all around the world of this story with Standing Rock, Sioux and the Dakota um, Pipeline. And, you know, we we talk about in the film the very same things yeah. that they are discussing. Yeah. So it's a very timely thing that this is happening right now as the film is coming out.
0: You know, I have to say... Um yeah, exactly. Just what you said. I I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, timing is fortuitous. I mean, there's a part in the film where Eloise is talking about the uh, the the people of. Is it, I'll butcher the, the ghost uh,
1: Ghost Ridge.
0: Ghost Ridge. The people of the where where uh, the the deaths of hundreds of people from starvation occurred. I mean, there's so many examples. Uh, the American West history is littered with. the the slaughter of millions of um, uh, native americans uh and it's it's i mean and once again here we are where money and resources clash with with these people's best interest and guess who may prevail unfortunately i hope not uh i hope this is a different ending to that story
1: oh i do too i really hope that this is a different ending it's about time you know, it really is. It's, um, and, and there was, by the way, a Native American apology resolution that was pa- passed by Congress in 2010. Have you ever heard of that? No. No. Yeah. And most Americans have not. So one of my, you know, calls to action with the film is let's get this publicly signed by Obama and recognized right. like they did in Canada.
0: Right. Yes. That's right. And by the way, my understanding is what's going on at Standing, uh, Standing Rock, but with the Standing Rock Sioux, is that uh, there has been a outpouring of support from across the, the spectrum of the Native American um, diaspora that is unseen in, in decades, if not you know 100 years. Speaking of 100 years, is that your understanding as well, the, the support, the different tribes that are showing up?
1: The last uh, number I heard was 300 tribes in support,
0: which is huge. Which is huge and galvanizing, and hopefully this is the kind of thing. But again, it's barely registering on on the News Richter scale. Again, had Amy Goodman not been there and watched these dogs unleashed on these peaceful protests over over native burial grounds, uh, we would not know what was going on at all.
1: Yes, uh, unfortunately, because they're a minority of people, uh, they don't get front page news.
0: Well, and it's out in the middle of of virtually, I would say nowhere. I don't mean it disrespectfully, but it it's so far from from um, news outlets and, and and the resources to. But that's still no excuse for for not knowing about this.
1: No, but that's what goes back to what I was mentioning earlier is that they were put on these remote areas of land. Yeah. Most people have never been, unless you've been to a casino, which is not in a remote area. I mean, there are small casinos, but it's just been, I think, one of the reasons why they've been able to get away with it for so long. And the other thing, too, and Eloise talks about this, is that they knew that Indian people did not have the money to sue. Yeah. And so she
0: Uh, got them wrong. This is just bare naked power overwhelming people who are entitled to justice you know that's what's been going on for so long uh and just that's what it is period uh and because they can that's why it's been going on it's a sad sad state of affairs but i do want to underscore that the 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 power of eloise pepion uh Covel and her struggle and the people that have galvanized around this effort are positive go see this film melinda thank you so very much for the film and for calling attention to this uh as well as your time uh here on film school thank you so much
1: well thank you very much for your interest and for um talking to me about it it's been my pleasure take care thank you bye -bye.